0: We are in the third week of our Above and Beyond teaching series. And so the whole idea comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. Uh, So if you got the Above and Beyond t-shirt, it's printed on your shirt. It'll also be on the screen behind me. I just want to read it to you. This is where the idea Above and Beyond comes from, from where we're teaching recently. Uh, It says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, According to his power that's at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And it's that phrase, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. That's where we get the idea above and beyond. We serve a God who is able to do above and beyond anything we could ever imagine. I think sometimes God might look at us and go, that's all you need? I mean I created the whole universe like I could do more for you (laughs) do you want more do you do can can I bless you more can I take care of you we guys have been a mobile church for nine years setting up and tearing down in this room at the AMC movie theater at Alderman elementary school traveling all over town and it has been a journey and I wouldn't trade it for the world but God is placing us in a new realm now where we're gonna have a home address but it's got to be more than just setting up an address we want to move into this new space with a mentality that says we're here with purpose and in faith. And so above and beyond is our, like, our attempt to have a rally cry, where we step aside and say, what does it mean for us to be intentional here? And let's, um, let's be honest, the pandemic put us on autopilot, individually and as a church. It's happening all over the world. Is it working? I don't change it. But God has never been a God of autopilot, <laughs> God has been a God of like, hey, I want to challenge you. I want to push you. The world needs my love. And so we've been talking about above and beyond concepts. The first week we talked about what it means to be above and beyond a place. The kingdom of God is people. It's not a place. Yes, we're going to get a place, but there are people there. And more importantly for this moment as we prepare ourselves, each one of us have a place in that kingdom. We are the body of Christ. And so we talked about what does it mean to be a member of that body? What does it mean to to, to play your role? And so I encourage you, go back to listen to that sermon. We, we bank all of our sermons on YouTube, on our page. Also, you can go back and find it on, on any podcast players, most of them at least. Go check that out. The second week was about above and beyond the pain. When you look at this world, and, and I love this idea. I was talking about my friend John recently, who's in here. It was like, any worldview has a problem we have to solve. The problem is, what do you do with evil and pain in the world? <laughs> what do you do with that? So whatever religion you're going with, whatever worldview... Jesus is the answer to the pain of the world. So in week two, we talked about above and beyond the pain. This week, what I want to do is shift our focus to an even higher place. Not just the uh, temporal things that are happening in this world, but what does it mean for us to go to God and tap into the power he has to offer us. This week, what I want to talk about is an above and beyond prayer. Guys, listen. Listen. Some of you guys have been with our church for nine years. Some of this is your first time. But we are in a battle for the souls of human beings. It's what the church exists to do. Jesus Christ came into this world, God in the flesh, to eradicate the penalty of death, the penalty of sin, which is eternal separation from God, to offer us eternal life people are far from God. When we first started this church, we said we're church for people who don't like church. What did that mean? That meant that from day one, we want to tear down the walls that have kept people away from church and God so that we can do the simple thing of building a bridge to Jesus. And so we've intentionally over and over like, do we need this? Like, why are we doing this? Is this keeping people away or is it bringing people in? Does it help people understand the mission of what Jesus has for them? And it's really easy for us because we're pretty cocky and we're pretty, uh, you know, we're, we're full of ourselves as humans. Like, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. We can The church isn't meant to operate on our steam; It's not. Instead, we're supposed to operate on the power of God's Holy Spirit in our lives, empowering us, challenging us, pushing us, drawing people near. And today, as we talk about above and beyond, I want to encourage us to talk about what does it mean to pray an above and beyond prayer? Because let's be honest, when it comes to prayer, for many of us, it's just routine. Stephanie actually mentioned it. She had no idea I was going to say this right now, but in, in, in her time up here earlier when she was leading worship, she had the, the now, you, now I lay me down to sleep moment. And that, that's, sometimes it's just routine. The songs we sing are routine. The prayers we pray are routine. I go to bed, now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die for... It's also lyrics to a cool Metallica song, uh, throwback. But it's, right? I mean, it didn't mean anything. Know, my grandma taught me that prayer. You do it at mealtime, you know? Uh, uh, what is the one about? God is great, God is good them thing is for our food, by his hands, for all our food. it's like, okay, time to eat. But what does it mean? If that is the prayer that you're praying, I want to tell you, hey, great, it's great. we got to start somewhere. It is, it's not a slam to do a repeated prayer or something that you say all the time. But the question is, where's it coming from and what's it for? And so what I want to do is, is, is I want to put a definition on prayer that might guide us this morning. And it might make you aware that you have access to something that you didn't know you had access to because God wants to hear from you personally. And he wants to know what's on your heart and he wants to inspire you to do things in this world. So here's a definition I want to kind of propose that we work through this morning. That prayer is a conversation between you and God. Most of the time we stop there. Prayer is a conversation between you and God. But this second part is huge. Where his power is called upon for your life. Prayer is a conversation between you and God where his power is called upon for your life. If you have children and they say your name, dad, you're like, what? And then they have nothing to say. (laughs) Is that not the most annoying thing in the world, especially when they say it like 12 times in a row? And sometimes that's the way we pray. God, words, 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 words. We're not not talking. We don't need him for anything. We're not trying to draw on his presence or his power. So what I want to challenge us to do this morning as we think about not just this move, but also in your daily life, like, you're, I know you're going through things right now that are way beyond this, like, building or moving or church stuff. Like, what does it mean for us to have a conversation with God in which we call on his power for our life? I've seen that power in my own life. I mean, I, I can't explain beyond the word Miracle. When occasionally I've been praying for things, I've been involved in prayer situations where something that should not have happened was able to happen. It's mind blowing. It's the power of God. And sometimes we sweep that away as eccentric or crazy, especially in a church like this that maybe doesn't tend to be as charismatic or, you know, movie, whatever stuff. But the power of God's Holy Spirit is very real. And he invites us into that. In fact, it's the gift he gives us when we choose him. So today what I want to do when we talk about prayer is I want to go to a time when Jesus taught about prayer. Many of you are going to be really familiar with this this whole idea that he goes through. But I hope we can get to a different place with it this morning than maybe even you've gone before. And so we're going to be in two books of the Bible this morning. We love to look to the Bible every single week for God's most important truth. We're going to be in two of the Gospels. These are biographies of Jesus. So we're going to be in the book of Luke and the book of uh, Matthew so first we will be in Matthew chapter 6 if you want to turn there or flip it down on your, on your phone and scroll down uh, We also have free Bibles in the back by the door here if anybody needs one Just grab one take it to your seat use it for the morning That's fine. You can put it back or keep it if you need a Bible It's yours your Bible we will be in Matthew chapter 6 first then we'll be in Luke chapter 11 So if you're uh, if you're a superstar and want to go ahead and turn to Luke 11 you can be ready But as we pick up in Matthew chapter 6 Jesus is in this moment where he's doing some teaching And basically the disciples are like yeah, how do we how do we pray? In fact in the luke chapter 11 passage these two passages are are kind of the same account from different perspectives so it's it's two tellings of the same account in the luke 11 passage they're like uh this other guy john the baptist he was teaching people how to pray and like we were wondering if maybe you could teach people how to pray so that's kind of where this comes from and what jesus goes into is ultimately going to be something we call the lord's prayer or if you grew up in a catholic tradition maybe the our father very familiar one of those prayers that we memorize and we repeat and where is it really coming from But in Matthew chapter 6 and starting in verse 5, Jesus actually starts out with a little bit of teaching, a little bit of instruction. So that's where I want to start today. Jesus says this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. But truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. They got the attention they wanted. They got what they needed. But instead, when you pray, Go into your room, close the door, to pray to your Father who is unseen. And then, your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. He says, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. So this is just this opening to his teaching on prayer. Any offering we give to God needs to come from a place of sincerity, of humility, of transparency. And this is a thing where like, it takes time to get better at this. And so, uh, but, but I love in this passage, the way he talks about it. I think a lot of people, when it comes to prayer, and I hear this a lot, people say, I don't know how to pray. Or the other phrase I hear a lot is, I'm not good at praying. And so I've got good news for you. If you feel like you don't know how to pray, or you're not good at praying, I've got good news for you. Uh, that's not a requirement. <laughs> Neither one of those things are requirements to pray. You don't have to be good at it. In fact, he said, the thing he says about the pagans babbling, the interesting thing is he's talking about uh, people who don't believe in, in the one true God and they may, maybe just go into their, their idols or their place of worship or whatever, and they're just babbling and babbling and babbling and praying and praying and praying. And so the idea in that setting is like, if I say it right, if I do enough words, if I make enough like uh, whatever, <laughs> God's going to notice me, and then he'll listen. God's like, I don't, I don't need you to do all that. I don't need you to do all that. In fact, I already know what you need before you even ask. But what I want you to do is I want you to ask. And this is great news. Because it's not about a vocabulary or a style or a place that we do it. I mean, it does say go into your room, but I hope you see the point there. It's like it's not about putting on a show. It's about being from a sincere place. So what Jesus does next is he gives up what is called the model prayer often or uh, a template prayer or the Lord's prayer the Our Father, and there's a good chance that even if you didn't grow up in church, you've heard this prayer. I heard it more uh, on the high school wrestling team than actually than I did in my church growing up. Like we prayed before every wrestling match, we prayed this prayer, and so maybe you did that in sports. So uh, let's look at this, but as always, if you've seen it before, you've seen it a lot of times, I want you to try to read it with new eyes. We're gonna be in Matthew 6, starting at verse nine. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread. And forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Please lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the tradition note ends it: For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory of forever and ever. Amen. That's, that's a good way to end it. But Jesus ends it like this in verse 14. He says, For If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive others their sins, sorry, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That little tack on the end is interesting, and we're actually going to talk about that in just a second. But I want to look at this model prayer, and I want to break it down, because I think there are some lessons we can learn from this whole teaching that Jesus gives in Matthew 6, and also in a minute we'll look at Luke 11, uh, that I believe will not only teach us how to pray, if maybe you need a model, Just so you know, you can literally pray this prayer. It's a great prayer. People do it every day. Or you can use this prayer as a template. Like, what are the types of things that Jesus prays for here? Let me model that. Use it as like an outline to start your prayer life. But also, I think there's some lessons that can teach us to do an above and beyond type prayer. Something more than just a mundane muttering of words. But instead, something that's intentional and heartfelt and invites the power of God into our situation. So, he starts in verse 9. He says, this then is how you should pray. He says, our Father in heaven would be your name. First lesson. And it comes from that first word in the prayer, second word in the prayer. Our Father. When you pray, lesson one, remember who you're talking to. It is so easy for us to get A, flippant with our prayer. I mean, we're, we can sometimes just, my family prays every night, and sometimes it's like we're at the end of a long day, and we're just like, okay, God, thank you for our food, and thank you for the people that we love, and then, amen. It's like, this is our Father. This is what we should talk. And so the Father part is important. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, and he's talking about God. He says, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. It says, and by him, by the Spirit of God, we cry out, Abba, Father. It says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That phrase, Abba, Father, is a term of endearment. It's like calling somebody my daddy or papa, Abba. And so we're encouraged to think of God, the creator of the universe, as our daddy. Remember who you're talking to, and there's actually going to be two things in this, but the first one is that you're talking to your heavenly father. Prayer is not like petitioning the government for something. Have you ever tried to call the IRS or got on healthcare.gov? Woo. And if you got somebody on the phone, uh, hopefully they were nice, but I'm going to tell you something. They were not there because they loved you. <laughs> They're getting paid $12 an hour to be miserable or something. I mean, so like when we go to God's, there's no need for this timidity or this formality or this sense of... Uh, separatedness because what God wants us to know is I am your father and you can talk to me not only that but you can call me daddy it's a beautiful reminder that God gives us you're praying to your heavenly father um, now sure there have been a lot of deadbeat dads and I want to address this because I think a lot of people and maybe you're one of them you, you struggle thinking about God as a father because maybe you didn't have a great dad and you're like I don't want to think of God as my dad because dad's dad's the worst <laughs> Uh, what I hope that you can start to see is that a loving father is a good thing and that the creator God is your loving father and and a loving father cares for his children and gives them what they need and guides them to good things and that's who our God is. God is love and he wants to give good gifts to his children. So when you pray, lesson number one, remember who you're praying to. A, your heavenly father but it's not just our father. So the prayer goes on he's going to give us uh, the second part. Remember who you're talking to be the almighty king is who you're talking to so the, it goes on to say it says our father in heaven hallowed be your name hallowed means like holy set apart like sanctified like this is it you're wow oh you're the father hallowed be your name he says your kingdom come your will be done so all of a sudden we're not just talking to a daddy we're talking to our daddy who happens to be The king, the almighty king, the creator of all the universe. It's one thing to have a daddy. It's a whole other thing when your daddy is the almighty king. I look up to my dad a lot. My dad's a great man. A lot of you have met my dad. Mark, I love my dad. My dad has had a lot of roles and titles in his life. Uh, uh, he was in the Air Force, so he had lots of ranks in the Air Force. He actually retired after 36 years, some of it active duty, some of it, uh, it reserve. And so that's cool. That's cool. He had like titles and ranks in the Air Force. He was also a preacher. In fact, that was his main job when I was growing up. He's still a preacher at my home church in uh, Wilson, North Carolina. And so like I look up to my dad for that. My dad was also uh, a football coach for a little while. My dad was a uh, school bus driver. He had like, a lot of things but they want nothing cooler for me when I was a kid than one title my dad had I think I was about in the fourth grade when my dad was an employee at K and K's toy store in the mall you remember malls that was the coolest place in the world and it was the coolest store in the coolest place in the world and my dad worked there. Now I didn't know that he wasn't like the owner, operator, manager of the place. Like he was just like scrub employee. I think it was just holiday hours, I don't know. But like as far as I knew, my dad was Willy Wonka. Like he owned the place and it was so cool. We'd go see my dad at work and like I would be the first kid to see the newest Nintendo game come out. I will never forget this nin- this uh, Ninja Turtle toy that like I got to see before all my other friends. And you might remember this, uh, but I saw it first. Um, it was this, it was this ninja turtle like he was a normal ninja turtle but then like he would fold into a shell he'd be like a regular turtle you take his little mask off you're like who is that oh, it's donatello and then he would like wow, boast staff you and like so and I saw that and I remember going to my friends like you know, you know there's a new ninja turtle coming out I seen it all right you see and so nothing cooler and I remember going to see my dad and like he would be standing outside the store and he had a, a this is my memory like as if he did this all day every day he probably did this once but he had a, a, a remote control car dude was just driving it through the mall I was like, it's my dad, guys. So my boring friends at school would be like, my dad's a lawyer. My dad's a real estate agent. I'm like, your dad's lame. My dad works at a toy store at the mall, baby. Boom. Why do I tell that story? Look, uh, it's one thing to talk to your dad. It's another thing to believe that your dad is somebody important. And God, the almighty king, there ain't nothing above him there's nothing that he can't do for you that he can't overcome for you that he can't fight for you that he can't see you through that he can't bless you with he's the almighty king so when you pray remember who you're talking to he's your dad talk to him but also understand he has got power and authority and he can step into your moments and make a difference In fact, his goal is to establish little pockets of heaven all over the earth. That little phrase, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we talk about that all the time. What does it mean for God's kingdom come? We just sang a song called Kingdom Come right before I got up here. What does that mean? What it means is that God's empowering each of us to everywhere we go, once we're filled with his spirit and once we understand what it means to live the Jesus way, everywhere we go should be like a little pocket of heaven everywhere we go. Why? Because we're citizens of the kingdom and our daddy's the king. And it drives everything that we do. Remember who you're talking to, your heavenly father and the almighty king. So with that perspective, the rest of the model prayer kind of comes into focus. Verse 11 picks up the next little part. He says, give us today our daily bread. What is that? Stuff we need, right? Daily bread is the most basic idea for my my physical needs. So my physical needs. But more importantly, he also helps meet our spiritual needs. So we're gonna just keep reading verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So, this whole big picture, I wanna give us our second big lesson about prayer, and this is huge, it's something that you gotta internalize, something that we gotta have a conversation about with God and invite his power into our situation. The second big lesson is this, ask for what you need. When you pray, remember who you're praying to, and then ask for what you need, both physical and spiritual, your daily bread, sure. I need help paying my bills, I need, uh, I need food on my table, I've got my grandma sick, I want a pony, like whatever it is that, you, that you're looking for, these are your physical needs, and then also your spiritual needs need to be met. A lot of people don't realize that Jesus didn't actually make up this prayer. This is an interesting fact I just learned a couple of years ago, and that might rock your categories right now, like, What? No, this is the Lord's Prayer. Actually, Jesus is actually reciting a prayer that many people had heard for a long time before this. Many of the disciples may have been familiar with the prayer. Familiar with the prayer. It had been around. So they're like, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he's like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. They're like, I know this one. I know this one. I've heard this one. I've heard this one. But then Jesus does something. He did add to it. And this is what makes it uniquely hit. Verse 12, we get this. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is the part where they're like, wait, 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 that's not in there. That's not in there. The forgive us our debts as, this part, we have forgiven our debtors. Uh, in this culture, first century Jewish culture, the, the going trend was if someone did you wrong, uh, well, you could just disown them and be mad at them for the rest of their life. Like, and so it's very much like uh, the rest of the world. <laughs> it's just like, if you do me wrong, you're dead to me. And that was the culture. You can understand that's very human nature. There was actually no concept that like, you should have grace with someone. You should forgive someone when they've done you wrong. That was not a big deal for them. So have you ever been like singing along to your favorite song and you're with a friend and then they get the lyrics wrong? And you're like, what did you do? You ruined it. Like, so Jesus is doing this fairly familiar prayer and then he adds to it, let us forgive other people like you forgave us. And he did that on purpose, one, to get their attention, and two, it undoubtedly led to conversation afterwards. Why do I bring this up? Because as we're praying to our Father, and we're praying to our King, we need to ask for things. Yes, physical things, but more importantly, spiritual things. And this is not a sermon on forgiveness. But I wanna point out that Jesus adds this piece in here about forgiveness, because what we need to understand is that there is a battle for our soul every day. You feel it? You ever feel that battle for your soul? I think most often recently in society, we've labeled that battle anxiety and depression, to be really honest. Yes, there are clinical anxiety and depression, but throughout every generation, I think there's been some sort of emotional uh, manifestation of the spiritual battle that we're going through. And I do believe that a lot of the anxiety and loneliness and depression is part of the evil one in this world going, I know how I'm going to get them now. I'm going to make them feel worthless and I'm going to make them feel like they don't have enough hours in the day. Now do you feel the battle for your soul? And maybe it manifests in another way for you, but there is a battle for your soul. But my guess is that what we think about daily is less spiritual and more physical. In fact, when you pray, if you have a prayer life, what do you most often pray about? I'm gonna take a little survey. You don't have to answer out loud, but just think about this. What makes you mad and what gets you excited? Okay, I'll go through a few of me. What makes me mad? I get frustrated when my stuff breaks. That gets on my ever-loving nerves. Like it was just working and now it doesn't work anymore, and I'm mad, I'm frustrated. I get mad when uh, the government people don't do the stuff they said they were going to do. I get frustrated with that. It gets on my nerves. I get mad when someone cuts me off in traffic, right? So what are the things that make you mad? What are the things that make you happy and get you excited? tell you what makes me happy, food, toys and tools, uh, football, relationships. The things that make us mad and the things that get us excited largely are physical things. The book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. Yet in our prayer life, we're very focused on the physical things, not that there's anything wrong with that. But when Jesus talks about prayer, he says, I want you to understand, you need to pray for your daily bread. You also need to pray for your eternal soul and the souls of other people. Who, even though they're not perfect like you are, you can work on having a Jesus attitude and forgiving them and moving on. Remember who you're praying to. He's our Father and He's the Almighty King. And ask for things, physical and spiritual. Now, this could have been the end of our message today because that's a dang good teaching on preaching. Preaching on prayer. That's what I should have said. That's a dang good preaching on prayer. Not mine, but Jesus's. He did it, it's really good but Jesus actually isn't done he keeps going and you're going to find more of it actually when you flip over to Luke chapter 11. so we have this same prayer in Luke chapter 11 I went with this Matthew 6 one because it's the more familiar version that most of you'll know so if you look at the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11 you'll notice like it's a little bit shorter and it's a little bit different but when we pick up at verse 5 from Luke 11 if you want to go and flip over there Jesus kind of uh continues with his teaching like if at the beginning he was talking like, don't pray like the Pharisees, don't pray like the pagans, don't do this and this, and then he says the prayer. Luke 11, is like he gives a little uh, a follow-up teaching and he says in verse five, he gives kind of this little, I'm gonna call it a parable. He says, suppose you have a friend and you go to your friend in the middle of the night and you say, friend, knock, 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 knock. Hey, could you lend me three loaves of bread? A friend of mine, he's on a journey. Yeah, I'm imagining he's yelling through the door because you know, like you're in bed. And, uh, and I don't have any food to offer my friend who's on this journey. And so suppose the one on the inside answers, huh, don't bother me. <laughs> the door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. Anybody think that would be their gut response? Yeah, me too. That's because we're Americans and not first century Jews. They had a different priority. He said, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, he's frustrated with you right now yet because of your listen to these words because of your shameless audacity he will surely get up and give you as much as you need then you stand at the door shoving a loaf of bread he's gonna he's gonna meet your need and don't miss this jesus just is teaching on prayer and then he comes out to this little parable about the guy in the middle of the night who needs some bread and I, w- I don't want you to miss this he is comparing us his beautiful children whom he loves, the citizens of his kingdom. He's comparing us to annoying, inconsiderate neighbor who knocks on the door in the middle of the night. And you know what he says? Do that. Knock on my door in the middle of the night. It's the middle of the night. And you come knocking at the door because you got unexpected company. Now this was now this was first-century Jewish culture. And so this is the thing that is. More relevant to them than it was to us. But in first century Jewish culture, one of their biggest values was hospitality. There's no way someone would come to your house and you wouldn't feed them a meal. Like you would be just, oh man, I am the worst person in the world. Well, these friends show up. It doesn't matter that they're inconsiderate and they show up in the middle of the night. They could have at least like checked the GPS and called ahead. But they just show up on their camel or whatever and shoot, I have not been to a food line to shop yet. I don't have enough food. What do I do? I go to my neighbor's house. Now, the neighbor understands this social convention. They understand. Like, oh, dude, you got company? <sighs> Man, that's embarrassing. <laughs> you don't have three extra loaves of bread? I always have three extra loaves of bread. In fact, you can have mine. Because if this neighbor says no, guess what you're going to do? You're going to the next neighbor's house, and they're probably going to give you bread. So there's like this peer pressure happening here, no doubt, okay? So this is much more powerful in the first century Jewish culture than it would be to us. Um, but this is, you go on by your neighbor and say, ne- neighbor, hook a brother up. I wanna, I wanna be hospitable to my guests. And Jesus says, when we pray, we can be like that neighbor. Here's the lesson I wanna look at. When you pray, pray bold prayers. Shamelessly audacious prayer. God, if it's all right, you hold back the rain for five minutes, cause I was, gonna... softball game. Okay, cool. Now he's like, "Look, you were just diagnosed with cancer. Get with your whole church family, and you pray the heck out of that thing, and you ask me for full healing. I've seen it. Anybody else? Now God doesn't always give us every single thing we ask for. He has his own plans. He has his own purposes. Sometimes those things don't go the way that we hope they would, but He always loves us, and He always guides us to the better thing eventually, and it's not always on our timeline." And so i got to tell you, I'm not an expert on prayer, and I get frustrated with prayer sometimes. Anybody else? But what I do know is that when we pray, we access the power of our God for the circumstances that we're going through. Pray bold prayers. I was at a restaurant with my family recently, and my daughter ordered a meal that should have come with ice cream at the end. And at the end of the meal, the waitress didn't bring her ice cream. And she's like, "Uh, Dad, I didn't get my ice cream. What should I do? I was like, well, when the waitress comes back, Ask her for your ice creams. The truth is, God wants to give us good things. But what he's asking us to do is go to him and talk about it. Bro, wake me up in the middle of the night and ask me for big things. Shamelessly audacious prayer. In verse 9, he goes on. This is one you might be more familiar with. I don't know if you know it came out of that little parable. He says, so I say to you, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And so when you talk about prayer, sometimes it can be daunting. What do I pray for? What do I say? How do I do it? Where do I go? What do I, is, it, is it the hands closed? Is it eyes down? Is it knees? Is it on bedside? Like where? Can I do it in the car with my eyes open? Like what is it? And God's like, no, no, no. It's not any of that. I'm not looking for you to impress me with your prayer ninja skills i just want you to talk to me and i want you to ask big don't give up because that's how our relationship grows we're talking about a child calling out to their father who loves them he says talk to me and so in verse 11 he says which of you fathers if your son asked for a fish we'll give him a snake instead some of us dads are like that would be pretty funny actually um think that's it. but maybe not the second one or if he asks for an egg you give him a scorpion no he says if you then though you are evil you know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give the holy spirit to those who ask him so what happens when we pray we get the full attention of the almighty king the creator of the universe and what does he want from us he wants us to ask And then he's going to guide us to what's best. So as we move forward as a church family, I've got a challenge for us. My challenge is that we pray bold prayers. We pray bold prayers. And so I want to go back to this prayer guide that I talked about earlier today because we're going to end today a little bit differently than we have in the past. Uh, First of all, this is a a 12-day prayer prayer guide. It is not perfect. Uh, It is a daily thing that some of us pulled together with some scripture and a devotional thought. Uh, You will get much more out of this. Uh, if you walk in knowing this is between me and my God talking, more than it's like, oh, I read it, check. So again, that's why I started with the beginning. Like, it's about your heart. My challenge for you today is that every family group, uh, or some of you guys I think are roommates in college, whatever, if you need to get one because you you just need it by yourself, that's fine. I think there's even, is there access to a PDF we can get, Brent? I think you can get it digitally if you want it. Um, No problem. But what I want you to do is get this guide, and tomorrow at some point I want you to start. It's 12 days, 12 days. So it'll take us... Through this coming weekend, next Friday, and then the following Friday, it will end. Every single day. And celebrate it. Ask bold prayers of your God. The th- second thing I want to ask you to do, oh, so let me, give you, let me give you our challenge for the week. Every week we have a challenge. Every, like, everyone's doing it, okay? We're going to get behind the challenge. We're going to do it. The challenge is this. Commit to praying with your ch- church family for 12 days. That's, that's, that's the challenge this week. 12 days. We could actually let this count for next week's challenge, too. Uh, I'm not going to let you off the hook, though. You're going to have another one next week. But 12 days of prayer. And in this 12 days, I want to encourage you to remember who you're talking to. It's your Heavenly Father. He's the Almighty King. And I want you to ask for things. Physical things, yes, but think about spiritual things. And I want you to pray bold prayers. Throughout the 12-day guide, there's going to be some specific things that it guides you to pray about. So maybe you can use that as your, your prompt. Or maybe you're going through something entirely different and you just need to... You need to pray about that. Uh, Secondly, I want to encourage you to um, join us on uh, Thursday and Friday of the end of that, on uh, November 3rd and 4th, where we're going to be having 24 hours of prayer, the 24-hour prayer marathon. And so you can sign up today for a slot, a 30-minute slot. And I'm going to tell you what, when we looked at this, we were like, 30 minutes, holy cow, that's a long time to pray. Uh, I don't know if, if all of you guys are praying 30 minutes uh, at a time, that's great. But you know, it's hard. You lose your focus. Um, but then we also are like, dude, if, you know, the more you divide it up, that's a, that's a whole lot of slots to fill. So here's what I encourage you to do. Sign up for your 30-minute slot. Do your best to fill that 30-minute slot with focusing on prayer. And so it could happen in cycles. You could go on a 30-minute walk and as much as you can. Some of your prayer can be sit in absolute silence. Think about a road trip with someone you're really close to. Sometimes you're cranking the radio. Sometimes it's silent. Sometimes you're crying. It's like it's, it's, a, it's a roller coaster. And try that. Um, 30 minutes. 30 minutes, do the best you can. And i and I give you some. It, I mentioned this earlier, but in case you mentioned it, like if your 30-minute falls in a time where you could actually drive to the building at 76 Darlington Avenue, go sit there um, and just Pray. Watch the people as they walk by, the cars as they drive by. Uh, there's a lot of ways you can handle this. Um, so sign up for the prayer time, and then also during that 24-hour slot, we're doing 24 hours of, of fasting. So as I mentioned earlier, that means just hey, starting at dinner time, like like eat your dinner, eat your dinner on Thursday night. That's fine, okay. And then don't eat anymore for the rest of the next day. And when it comes along to dinner time uh, again, I mean meal times, take time to pray. As you feel the hunger pain, some of us are really used to our three squares a day. You can say, Lord, I, without spiritual health, I'm nothing, so who cares if I get a sandwich? That will remind us to pray for the spiritual things. And Hopefully, at that point, you've gone through 12, 12 days of prayer, and so maybe you're a little more in tune with the things you be, should be praying about that day. And Then we're going to cap the whole thing off with just a celebration together. So at 6.30 on November 4th, at 6.30 p.m., um, at Darlington Avenue, 76 Darlington Avenue, our new building. We're going to gather together. Brent Myers has got a little program he's going to walk us through. We're going to go through different stations at the, the facility, and we're going to be praying about things. Listen, if you've got to work or you're out of town, uh, this is not a legalism thing. This is, we're not doing it for attention. That's what Jesus said at the very beginning. But if you're free to be there, please join us. How powerful would that be? And we gather around, and, and, and we, just, we just pray over this whole season for our church. When we pray, things happen. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power at work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I want to invite our band to come on up. Uh, we're going to close out today a little differently than we normally do. and We're going to have an opportunity to do some praying. Maybe you need to be prayed Four, maybe you'd like to pray for some stuff. I got some volunteers I already spoke to that have said that they could be kind of prayer leaders. And you might be in a seat right now, like, oh, I could lead some prayer. Um, what I want to do is I, I want to have a prayer with us together. I want to lead us into a time of communion. And then I'm going to walk us through a time of prayer together as a church family. We believe in it. God's power is real. He wants to hear from us. And so if you'll join me in a time of prayer right now, we'll then move into that time of, uh, of praying together. So let's go to God.